Kids, it's that time. I see y'all making your way. You don't even need a reminder. Yeah, please remain standing. I yeah, it's, it's, it's all good. Um, so Children's Church is happening right now. So if you are a child, K-5 through second grade, and would like to take part of that, um, or you're a parent and would like your child to take part in that, um, please head that direction and meet the other kiddos in the back. Um, they will come back during the last song. And now for our scripture reading today. Um, our passage this morning is Acts 2, 42 through 27. Um, please turn there in your Bible and follow along as I read. If you need a Bible, there are Bibles placed under the chairs in front of you. And they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching, teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Thank you, Anna Grace. Uh, my name is Steve Pink. I'll be preaching this morning, and I am thankful that you're here. Um, you just heard uh, our scripture reading this morning uh, is from Acts 2. I want to start by saying a happy Mother's Day. I know I'm not the first, uh, but, uh, and I'm sure I won't be the last, but happy Mother's Day to the mothers that are here uh, this morning, to my mom, my mother-in-law, my wife, and my sister. I think, I don't know if I'm leaving anybody out, but happy Mother's Day to you. Thankful uh, to be here this morning and to be getting to share the word of God with you. Let me pray as we start uh, our, our sermon together. Father, we are grateful today uh, that, we get to, um, that we get to look to you, that we get to hear your word. Lord, your word is living and active. Um, it has the power uh, to speak to our hearts, to, to uh, allow us to see, to hear and to, uh, to truly be transformed. And I pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit um, to speak the truth uh, of your word to us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, listen, um, I am a, uh, I'm a sucker for some advertisement. Okay, I'm just going to be bold and just up front with you. Uh, good advertisement, bad advertisement. It just always seems to work with me. It was uh, early on in our marriage, Katie would come home at times to a package on the doorstep or walk in, and I had already gotten home, and, and I was uh, messing with a package. And, and, and it had to do with, with, obviously, just, I mean, good advertisement sucks you in, doesn't it? I mean, that's the whole point of it. They're, they're people they meet, and they, they study, and they think about how to draw you into this lifestyle or that product or this destination. And, and honestly, I'm sure we're all kind of a sucker for, for good and maybe sometimes bad advertisement, but some of the ones that really got me, that I, that I really thought were going to change my life, uh, were the Daytimer wallet calendar. Uh, some of you uh, folks in here remember that. Some of you might even still have that. Um, it's now called a smartphone. Um, it is a smartphone now, but back in the day, uh, for you know, three easy payments of you know, $29.99, you could own your calendar and always have it on you in a pocket 
uh, fashion. And so, you know, it was about a rectangle size-ish, uh, six inches or so long, and you could get your name, uh, you know, placard on it. And uh, inside, of course, it had room for money and it had room for cards and all that stuff. But it promised that you'd always have your calendar on you. And the font was two on the calendar. <laughs> but, but you could kind of make it out and you had a notepad. And get this, it came, it came with a pen that was a mini pen that fit inside the wallet. And you could only buy that mini pen if you got the wallet. And, and so that was a selling point. And I, of course, I used it for a little bit until I felt like my pelvis shifted, uh, real life. And my doctor said, you need to stop with the wallet in the back. Um, it was a bit of a, what we call a George Costanza wallet. And, and it, 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 when you sat, you kind of sat lopsided because it was so, so thick. Um, uh, around the same time that I was interested in, in that uh, came along, uh, I, I wanted to get in a little different workout routine. I was getting stale and, and working out and I wanted to try the new, some new kind of workout that I, that I hadn't experienced and, and it was then that uh, I saw on the TV the answer, Billy Blanks. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you don't know Billy Blanks. But Billy Blanks was the creator of Tybo, okay? And Tybo is, yes, we got some, we got some hands going for Tybo. Tybo is jazzercise, a little more upbeat, okay? There's a lot of punching, kicking. Um, you feel like you're kind of the man in the moment. I did it once or twice. I realized how ridiculous I looked if there was going to be someone passing by and that got shipped to Goodwill. But the, the advertising of what Ty Bo and Billy Blanks was promising me was too, it was too good to pass up. And so I got drawn in. Uh, the point is this, advertisement, it draws the folks in, right? If it's good advertisement, it gives the person, the viewer, the point that they need this. This is, if they only had this, life would be different. And friends, that's where we're, we're starting this morning as we take a sip of water, um, where we start this morning with this value of care. We, if you're just joining us or you, you've been out uh, from Grace for, for a couple weeks, we're in this series uh, where we are talking about who Grace is as a church. Uh, Pastor Ransom, the session, have, have, have continued to uh, kind of put this together to bring before you as we come out of quarantine, as we come into this this new time in our, in our life of what is, what is grace and what is grace trying to be? Who is grace? What are the values of grace? And so we, we of course, had our sermon on the mission of grace, our mission statement. But the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what are the values that really undergird this mission statement? And, uh, and as we get to the one today, we, we come to the one called care. And uh, it's a very common word. I'm sure most of you have some sort of definition of what care is and what you think care may be. And uh, today we're going to take a look biblically, though. We're going to take a look at, at care uh, in, in a way because I, I feel the advertisement, maybe out of all of our values, I feel like this advertisement um, kind of matches up with care. Uh, most of you know what it means to be cared for. Many of you know what it means to not be cared for. Um, and I think, I think care is the value in our church that, that either 
like advertising, draws people in or repels people. Does that make sense? I, I feel like when we talk about care, that's kind of the outward, the outward presentation of what our church looks like and, and what our church is trying to be. And so, so that's where we're starting this morning with care. Maybe you've heard this statement. Maybe you've, you've used this statement. People do not care what you know until they know you care for them. How many people have heard that statement? Right? People do not care what you have to say to them until they know that you actually care for them. You might think that's true. You might not think that's true. But, but listen, as you look at Scripture, um, it gets played out. This, this, this comment is, is kind of a form, forming off of what we see in the New Testament. Listen to uh, Paul as he, as he shares with some of the early churches, the young churches. Here's some of this, the, the things that he said. He said, don't merely look to your own personal interest, but also to the interest of others. Paul said that. Paul said, don't, don't look out for number one. In fact, the care and, and, and desire that you have for number one, actually apply that and make that for those that are around you. He said, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, to, if, if you want to know what it looks like to, to interact with people and, and what the, the church, a biblical vision for care is, Take other people's junk and place it upon your shoulders and help carry the load as you walk with them. He said, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. I mean, that goes directly against what, what our society typically says. Look out for number one. Get yours and then get out. But Paul has a different message. Paul says, actually, be devoted to one another. Honor one another. The Apostle John says this, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. This is someone that walked with Jesus for three years. His heart was changed, and you might wonder, why, why are Paul, why are John, why are authors in the New Testament, why do they care so much about this value, this word, this, this living out of the word care? It's because Jesus, their Lord, our Lord, labored on this point. Listen to what Jesus says in John 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. Okay, this is Jesus speaking. A new commandment I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. You are to love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Um, this might ring a little bit. You might, you might have heard something. Um, and and if, if you're newer to Scripture, or if you're, that, that Scripture's not familiar to you, Jesus was approached by a man, and he said, Teacher, tell me what the greatest commandment is. Like out of all, what do I need to know? What is, the, what is the one nugget I need to know out of all of this God stuff? Jesus said, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, strength, all that you have to love God with. 
And then Jesus went on and he said, the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. It's, it's kind of what you hear Paul and John saying, right? They're teaching what Jesus had taught them, right? What the Lord has revealed to them. But Jesus ups the ante here in John 13. And he says, he says not only to love as you love yourself, Jesus actually says, the new commandment I give you is that you are to love one another even as I have loved you. How has Jesus loved you? How has Jesus loved you? By laying down His life. By laying down his, his, all that He has, He laid down for you and me. That's how He's loved you. It's through sacrifice. And so we see the greatest model of care, when we talk about this word care, the greatest model of care that we could ever look to is going to be found in the person of Jesus Christ. So that, that's where we got to begin with this value, is the person of Jesus. Our church writes our value of care out like this. Our church writes it like this. We take care of one another's needs as we walk through the bumps and the bruises of life. Okay? So we take care of each other's needs, all right? The way we are showing Christ to each other is taking each other's needs into consideration and living with them uh, as, as a unit together. And what I want to push out to you this morning and, and where we're going to get to in Acts 2 is this is well past the giving of gifts to another person. That, uh, caring for someone might include a gift card, it might include a present. It might include uh, groceries. Or, or, but to genuinely care moves much deeper than a, 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 an outward transaction. All right? It, it has to start inside. Because when we care for people, we're not only talking about the care of practical, physical things. Friends, in our church, we have great need of more than just practical things. There are some practical, physical needs. I need help with my water bill. I need this. True. But as whole people, we have desperate need of emotional, uh, emotional needs. We all have spiritual needs. All right? And so when we think about this, this idea of grace prayers, uh, as a people, as a congregation, being people of care, that give care, we also need to think of the church as us giving care out. As, as Joe had prayed, um, and I love that we do this uh, every week, we have a leader in our church pray for the needs of our congregation. And we're going to get into why uh, some of those needs are hard to get to, but we pray because the, the need will always be there in our church. Sometimes it will be present, uh, present itself in physical ways. Sometimes it will be emotional ways. Sometimes it will be spiritual ways. But there will always be a need that we as Grace Prez and as followers of Jesus need to understand and be equipped to follow and care for. Um, so let's look at Acts 2, okay? Uh, thank you, Anna Grace, for reading that. Um, Acts 2, I want to give you two thoughts this morning. They're really sub-points. They're not two points of themselves, but they're sub-points leading uh, to where, where we'll all bring it together at the end. But the two points are this. 
Care requires death of my agenda. Okay? As, as we look at Acts 2, there's, there's two significant, significant things that stuck out to me. It was that care requires the death of my agenda. Okay? And the second one is that care requires vulnerability. They're, they're a little bit the same coin. They're just on different sides of the coin, if you think of it. Okay, so let's jump into care requires the death of my agenda. When you, when you realize this, care to care and to receive care is actually a matter of the heart. Um, that was something I was, I was struck with this week in preparation, is that when I think of care, I'm a doer. I like to, to like, um, if there's a problem, I like to meet the problem. Um, I probably, to a fault, have an issue with maybe putting myself too far into the helping process where I might hinder or hurt the, the process because I so desperately want that person to not have that issue anymore. It comes in in my parenting, and I have to pull myself back and go, oh, I, I do have to let them kind of wrestle with that. It comes in with friendships. It comes in in my marriage. Uh, it comes in with the ministry that I've had through Young Life. It, it's a constant thing that I see myself um, that I want to fix things. And some of you might relate to that. But what we see right here is that care at its core, it's a matter of the heart, okay? And so let's look at verse 42 and verse 43. All right, Luke uh, wrote the book of Acts, and he says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, into the fellowship, into the breaking of bread, into prayers. The uh, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. What's happening here? Um, to grab a little bit of context, we jumped right into you know, the middle of this chapter, but to, to grab some context of what's going on is Jesus has resurrected and has ascended. Jesus is with the Father, and He had promised, I'm going to send you a helper, and this helper is going to come and give you direction, he will always be with you. You will always be protected and in my hand because this, this, this uh, uh, counselor that I'm going to send, the Holy Spirit, will always be with you. Okay, so, so what happens is the Holy Spirit comes. It's the day of what we call Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come down onto the apostles and they begin speaking in different languages and they're speaking what's understood to all people that are hearing in their own native language. They're hearing the gospel laid out. They're hearing this, this, um, the, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so look at with me at uh, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Verse 38. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of this Holy Spirit. So what's happening right now is the inauguration of the church. This is, this is the New Testament church that we sit in. Here's the beginning of it. This is what's happening in this passage and, and so we can see what's happening. The Holy Spirit has come down. The, the, they're, they're speaking in, in tongues, in, in native uh, languages of the people that can hear. They're preaching the gospel. They're, the people hearing are wondering, what do we do? And Paul, or excuse me, Peter is going, 
believe in the gospel by repenting of your sin, putting down your agenda, and taking up in belief Jesus' agenda for your life. Okay? And the church is being formed here. But what is not being seen that is happening right now is there is a heart transformation that is taking place. Okay? Uh, Paul says it to the church in Corinth. He says that when you trust Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus to represent your life instead of you representing your life, you are given a new life. Paul, Paul says the old life is gone and the new life has now become. You are given a new heart. And, and in this new life, because the Holy Spirit is a part of this package deal, you are now uh, able to have the strength to follow and live for Christ and, and live a righteous life before God that you've never had before. And so this is what we see what's happening right here is we see the outward effect of what's happening inward, and that's the heart transformation. And so what do they do? Um, we read it in verse 42. So it says that the, these new believers, there was around 3,000 this day. New believers, what do they do? They're leaving their old life. What's the new life hold for them? Well, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the New Testament. The inspired word of God that was the Holy Spirit had inspired men to write. The New Testament. It says they devoted their, their, their lives to, to this teaching. It says they devoted to the fellowship. To God's, God's redemptive plan. They devoted their life to this now. It says they devoted uh, themselves to the breaking of the bread. Uh, both, of course, fellowship around a, a, table, a dinner table or breakfast table, lunch table, but, but, but really to the Lord's Supper. To their lives being represented by the one who broke his body for them. They devoted themselves to prayer. Dependence and direction from God. Okay, what they began to do, this new life they began to live, these were the essential elements of discipleship that Jesus had taught. His apostles had walked with him for three years. And over that three-year course, Jesus had taught them what it looks like to follow Jesus by modeling it out. And so, so they pick up these essential elements that they've learned from Jesus. One commentary said of these people, the primary reason of their existence, okay? So listen, this, this early church, these 3,000 plus those that had been saved, the primary reason of their existence was to witness for the Savior. Okay, we're talking about this in the context of care. You might be going, Steve, you're telling me all this, but what does this mean in care? These men and women had abandoned their own, their own agenda, their old life. And they began to take on God's agenda, which changed how they interacted with each other. This value of care was not just something that they said, I'm going to try harder today to love people. I'm going to say hi to the grocery clerk. Like, it, it wasn't that. They weren't doing these, like, small things. They had this heart transformation that prompted them and led them into a life where the only thing that mattered to them was Jesus. Was Jesus and his kingdom. 
And that changed how they interacted with those that were inside of the church and with those that were outside of the church. The, the commentator went on to say, Christ was soon to return. So this is their mindset, right? This is what they're thinking in the early church. Christ was soon to return. Therefore, the employments, labors, and pleasures of this age were of small concern to them. Do you hear this crazy radical change that's happening? Friends, this is the gospel for you and me. This is what our heart beats on. Today, 2021, he says how far, the commentator says, how far we have drifted from vigor and solidarity. I want that to sink in because when I read that this week, I was cut to the heart. I was cut to the heart and convicted myself of the frivolous things that I pay attention to in life. And, and, and the agenda as a, as a Christ follower, as one that loves Jesus and I'm so thankful that He has saved me, how easy it is for me to say thank you, Lord, and then pick up my agenda and go with it. And you may feel the same way. And here's the deal. This is why our agenda doesn't work as gospel-believing Christians. This is why our agenda fails. is because our agenda is based on you and me getting what you and me want. I am, apart from Jesus, the center of the universe. And I very quickly put myself in that role in my marriage, with my kids, with my family, Friends, you and I realize that you can't care for another person. You can't genuinely live out the, the model of care for another person when you are the one that's seated in the best place. You guys hear that? Right? And so, so we're confronted here. We're confronted with our agenda as we look at these people that have had their lives radically changed, which I would say... They, you, like, both them and us have the Holy Spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit that these people had. This was a special time in Scripture. It was the inaugurating of the church. There were special things that the apostles had power to do through the, the power of the Holy Spirit. But, but listen, friends, you're, the Spirit that lives in you is the same Holy Spirit that lived in these people. We didn't get the JV Holy Spirit because we weren't at Pentecost. Right? We have the varsity Holy Spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit that is, that is in these believers that we read of this account. And, and so we have to question where do our lives and their lives look the same and where do our lives and their lives seem to differ? Maybe some application uh, to this point as we look at that of... of I don't necessarily think it's how we look just like them. I, I think it's more of how we take this truth and we apply it to our lives. And, and I see, well, listen, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I, I said it before, but, but friends, if you want power in your life, spiritual power, um, not, not for your own you know, uh, agenda or your own use, but because you want to draw closer to the Father, we have to read our Bibles. That's the apostles' teaching that they devoted themselves to. Is we have to 
desire, and, and even sometimes in my life, I have to force myself to sit down because I want to think about frivolous things. I, I, I want to do what I have on the agenda today, but, but reading of God's word and responding to him in prayer, that's what they did. They devoted themselves to that. They didn't tinker with that. They devoted themselves to it. Well, they also devoted themselves to fellowship. What does that look like for us? Well, I, I, I mean, the reality, when I looked at them, I'm like, what does fellowship mean today? Uh, we talk in our, our uh, society a lot about community, but community isn't necessarily community without a mission. Uh, getting together and hanging out isn't the definition of community. Community is a mission that draws people together that are like-minded to then accomplish something. That, that's, that's where community finds its roots and its strength. It's, it's not fickle or moved around at that point. Okay, and so what does that look like? Well, I would say if you are a, a Christ follower and you desire Jesus, then you got to join a church. Part of fellowship is to, is to join a, a, a Bible, gospel-believing church. And you might go, you might go, well, that's me. I already got that check. But, but listen, one thing that sticks out in this passage is that th these folks weren't thinking about once-a-week religious service. Again, their lives had been changed to such a point that it was more than attendance once a week. It was an everyday gathering. Okay? And, and so what we see here is, is not only joining a church, but actually investing your life into a body of believers. That's really hard to do, friends. That's really hard, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, what about joining a life group? And listen, this isn't me pitching like, hey, advertisement, here's this, and we got this, and for $39.99, you can have this. Listen, I'm saying if you want to understand the heart transformation, you have to walk into the next point that we're going to get to is making yourself vulnerable with a body of believers and with the Lord. And we see that how the Lord has set it up is to be in a church, a congregation of Bible-believing people, a life group that takes this, this large church that feels overwhelming and it shrinks it unless you're in the Blythewood group. And the Blythewood group is like a church plant. Um, but, but, but the reality is, is the life group piece is supposed to shrink this so that you can be known. You can be loved. And that brings us to our second point, and that's this. Care requires vulnerability. Um, let's take a look at verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Friends, when we look at this, this piece of vulnerability, like I said, on one side of the coin, we've got this understanding that to be a person that cares, to be a church that cares, it is going to mean us honestly repenting. You know what the word repent means. It means you're going in one direction, and to repent means that you turn 180 and walk the other way. Okay, so we're, we're repenting from our sin, and we're taking up the agenda of Jesus 
But on the other side of that coin is, is the topic of vulnerability. Um, let me share a couple things that we see out of these people uh, that, that are, that are kind of on the surface. Just as they experience this new life, as we talked about, here's some of the things that they were experiencing that we see inside of Scripture. It says that they were in awe. They had tasted the community of in unity that the Holy Spirit brings. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they, they have a perfect unity. Um, the, the disciples here and those that believed are beginning to taste what life maybe was supposed to look like as we don't live for number one, but we, we live to serve our Lord and others. They begin to taste this unity. It says they were together physically and spiritually. They weren't once a week people. They, they literally invested in each other's lives. They were generous with their provisions. Um, I think sin leads me into this, and maybe you. But when we look at this, these people did not live with a scarcity mentality of resources. That's really important for us in America to hear today. Um, we are the richest country in the world. We all, probably most likely in this room, live within the, the top probably 5 to 10% of the world's wealth which is weird to think, but we are scared to death that we will not be provided for. What was happening here is that I went home and Katie and I talked and said, um, hey, the Tylers are in need. We're going to sell our property at the lake and we're going to take the proceeds and do our best to help them get back on their feet. Can you imagine if people did that today? I mean, even as I read that, it almost felt comical because of the world that we live in and the selfishness from our sin, and the, but, the, but the, 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 the resource guarding that we have of being so scared that we will lose this property or this stuff that will not matter in 50 years to us. Man, it, I, the heart transformation that was happening in these people and the way they were living it out is significant, friends. It's significant. They looked for, out for the needs of their community. They took care of each other in the church. They experienced daily worship together. They created family atmospheres in their house. Uh, they, they were going, hey, this is us. Come on over. Doesn't matter if it's clean or dirty. I don't... Like, I don't think they cared about what it looked like when you got there. <laughs> Friends, here, here's, here's where I'm getting to with this vulnerability piece. Um, this was not modern-day socialism. Okay, this was, this was voluntary. The apostles weren't going, what are you doing? You know, like, they weren't looking over your shoulder. This was voluntary. It, it proved, in some ways, there were some temporary measures on it. But it was motivated by love. That's what it was motivated by was love. And so here's the deal. The care we give is only a model of the care that we've received. Okay? The care that you are able to give, you've heard the phrase, you can't take somebody further than where you've gone. The care that you model is only from the template of what you've received. 
Now, we're going to talk about the gospel in a moment here, but, but when we talk about vulnerability, how can a person's needs be genuinely cared for if they're not genuinely, genuinely known? Have you ever thought about that? When we talk about this side of the coin of vulnerability is how can a person be generous with provisions if they're unaware of what the need is? To care personally to be the caregiver and the care receiver, it requires you and I to be vulnerable, to make ourselves known. And friends, as I studied and prepared and Ransom and I had to talk about this, this was convicting to me because I realized I fail at this. I have the desire to be vulnerable with people but I, I, I really struggle to live it out. Part of it is like, I've been hurt. And I remember how it feels to be hurt, to put yourself out there, make your needs known, and to be maybe abused, or maybe not so severely with the word abused, but to be wronged. Uh, it's dangerous. Um, you know, we don't talk a lot about vulnerability in our lives. Uh, it's really easy for you to come. This isn't a huge church, right? I think it's a good-sized church to know each other and be vulnerable, but I think we miss it a lot. It's really easy to come in and to leave on a Sunday morning to avoid uh, relationships in a life group, um, to kind of sit through a service and to leave without really being known. That's why I'm grateful for the people that have the guts to put their prayer request up to to church service and to pray for is because they're making themselves vulnerable. They're allowing others to know and they're allowing others the permission to help. Um, it's risky. It's risky to be vulnerable. It's risky. And I think that's part of the reason why I avoid it a lot of times is to be quite honest, I don't want to be known. Because if you know me, I'm scared you're not going to love me. You know? I, I, it's a lot easier to give you a facade than it is for you to enter in the, the, the mess of my life. It's risky, but I, but I do believe that it's reward. It, I do believe that, that, that the risk is worth the reward if you do receive genuine care. Um, well, listen, the church... Um, we, we see at Grace Presence, we talk about care. Uh, we want to be people that put to death our agenda. We want to be people that make ourselves vulnerable, both as a giver and a receiver. And I know as you're sitting out there, there's probably, there's probably two different groups of hearers right now. There's a group of hearers that, that you're the doers, you're the Steve Pinks, and you just got a checklist from me, and you're like, I'm going to devote myself to Scripture. I'm going to devote myself to prayer. I'm going to be the best life group leader. I'm not going to blow Jonathan off anymore if he says we have life group tonight. You're welcome. You know, like, I, I, I am going to be all in. Like, I'm, I'm going to get this done. There's that group. I'm going to, we'll, we'll, say, we'll call them the eager beavers. All right, and then there's the other group that you are sitting there, and what I have laid out to you you maybe checked out 20 minutes ago because you said, I can never do that. I feel so 
desperate and what you laid out, I don't measure up at any an inkling, and I am just, I'm just going to fade it out and just think about what I'm eating for Mother's Day lunch. And so wherever you find yourself in those groups, I want you to hear this. This is where we are graciously confronted with the gospel. Both groups. The eager beaver, Steve Pinks, and the, uh, the other group. <laughs> Didn't have that prepared. But listen, all that are represented in here that have heard this message from Acts 2, here's the deal. We are all together confronted by grace of the gospel with this. Because see, here's the deal. Here's the pitfall. When we look at Acts 2, here's the pitfall. We look at Acts 2, and we have the idea that we read it, and we, and we try to replicate the actions that we see here. Okay? Again, replicating those actions, to some, you're excited because you like calendars and type A, and you like to get stuff done, and you're really, you're really excited to go work it out. Or replicating those actions and you go, I stand no chance and like, I just feel beaten over the head with this. How can I ever do this? We read Acts 2 and we try to replicate these actions, but instead, here's the kicker, okay? This is where we have to hear, if you hear nothing else, this is what you have to hear in the sermon, is instead of replicating the actions, we need to be people that are replicating the desire and faith in the heart of the disciples uh, in Christ. Okay, like our job is not to emulate Acts 2. I don't believe our job is to, is to uh, you know, buy out some property in, in, in Wood Creek and, and we're, we're going we're gonna to emulate what Acts 2 looked like. I think it was a different time and I think uh, this time is a different time than then. But what I do believe is that Scripture speaks truth uh, throughout all of time. And so what I believe is we aren't necessarily to replicate the works that they were doing. I believe that we're to emulate the, the church and it's the church's faith, the church's heart transformation, uh, to not go back to the, the things that we saw outward, but to actually emulate the things that we see happening inward in them. Does that make sense? Because as we emulate what's happening inside, the actions flow and look very similar. Maybe not spot on to this time, but it will be the same effect, I believe, of our society today. It'll, it'll, it'll carry with it people that are devoted to the Word, devoted to fellowship, devoted to prayer. Okay? People that are devoted to Jesus and not to their own agendas. And so we're to emulate not the actions of the early church, but to emulate the faith of the heart that they had for Christ. And I want you to hear this. You and I can never, we're not to emulate, we're not to replicate the actions, but you and I could never in this lifetime even live out this heart transformation process that they were experiencing. But there's one that can. There's one that did. And, and this is where we're confronted with the gospel is Jesus is the great caregiver. We as a church and individuals cannot be the caregiver. I can't satisfy this list. You can't satisfy this list. But Jesus is that great caregiver. 
Okay, listen, Jesus is the only one that devoted himself perfectly to the truth of God. Do you hear that? You and I can't perfectly do that. But Jesus is the only one that devoted himself perfectly to the fellowship of God and man. Jesus is the only one who has perfectly devoted himself to breaking his body for us. You and I can't do what Jesus did, and that's why Jesus did it. And friends, we see as we look to Jesus as the caregiver, both individually and collectively as a church, as we look to Jesus and, and really worship him for being the satisfaction of, and fulfillment of the caregiver, as a result, we begin to experience growth. And this is, this is what I want to show you in verse 46 and verse 47. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Friends, as we trust Jesus as our great caregiver, as we put our agenda down, as we as we make ourselves vulnerable to the Lord, make ourselves vulnerable to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we, 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 we take up this trust and we live out this heart transformation, we begin to experience growth both inward and outward as a church. Inward is the heart transformation. Jesus said everything flows from the heart. What comes out of a man's mouth, the actions that they, that they do, it flows from what's going on in here. We are changed inwardly, but we're also changed outwardly. Um, some of you have read Paul's letters where he talks about the aroma of Christ. The scent, when you walk into a room, and, and that, you know, when you walk into any room, a scent can be appealing or it can be repelling. Right? The aroma of Christ among the people at Grace Presbyterian the people that are in your radius all week, that begins to change as you are changed inwardly by Jesus. So this morning, I, I want you to see that the Lord, that Jesus is the fulfillment of genuine care. As we talk about caring at this church, I want you to see it's, it's not going to be on you and I to figure it out. It's going to be on you and I to submit to the great caregiver, Jesus. And I really believe that as we do that, we enter real, satisfying, attractive, and, and um, awe-inspiring aroma that leads from us to others around, impacts us personally, and allows us to really love people in this congregation, out of this congregation, with real, tangible, practical ways of service and care to them. Let me pray for us. Lord, we are grateful for this morning. What a blessing it is to be here, uh, to have your word, to have uh, the ability to worship with other like-minded people. I pray for the heart transformation, God. I pray this week, if we don't re remember anything else, that we would remember today is the day I die to myself and I live for Christ. Today is the day that I make myself known so I can be loved. And we pray that we would look to you, Lord, um, because you are the great caregiver. 
and you're the one that moves in our hearts for that to happen, and you're the one that moves in, in the people, uh, your people in this world for that to be shown. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.